2: Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to the afternoon on this Monday. You're just in time for the call between midday and 1pm every afternoon. We uh, take a look at 10 stocks suggested by you, put them to an expert panel and uh, for their diagnosis of it and uh, analysis. And uh, today, uh, Gorev Sodhi from Intelligent Investor, and Somersandaran from Deep Data Analytics. Afternoon to both of you. Welcome.
0: Good to be here. Hi, guys. Good to be here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Well, I'm over the moon because just before I came on air, a mate of mine won a silver medal at the Paralympics. How good is that? So wow. just, uh, well, just Reed McCracken in the ho- T-34-100, is third silver. The kid's only 24 and he's been to three yeah. Olympics already. So uh, amazing. Over the moon for him. So um, I don't know. Hopefully... I,
0: I'd, I'd be worried. If I had a friend with an Olympic medal, I'd uh, never want to see them again, really. They just lord <laughs> it over me all the time. Where's your Olympic medal? <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned oh, was... with an Olympic medal?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I've even met anyone who's won the Olympic medal. Actually, probably run into a few. Yeah, um, but
2: well, the treadmill way, behind you makes means. Oh, you're yeah. Obviously, in training. Oh, yes.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a bit like the TV behind me. I don't think that's been used in three years, but you know, it looks. Good. <laughs> uh, I think the best thing is, you know, uh, I mean, I've got a um, son with special needs. When you see um, athletes do what they do, yep. given their it's amazing. It gives yep. everyone so much optimism in what you can do. Um, yep. You know, we get him into, you know, he's doing swimming, tennis, all of these things, and every time I look at some of these athletes, you go, wow, you can go so far.
2: Yep, yep. Uh, and and the stories behind their achievements are just That's extraordinary. Right. Like, I, I met Reed when he was 12, sat next to him on a plane to Bundaberg, and he was this weedy little kid. Um uh, he's got CP and uh, his hero was Kurt Fernley. So I I challenged wow. him I, and Kurt had challenged me to do the Balmoral burn, which was a, a race up a big hill in in Sydney, uh, in a wheelchair. Uh, he did it in seven minutes 30. I did it in 26 minutes 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got Reed, I said, I'll fly you down. If you do that race with me, and then you can meet Kurt. And Kurt Fernley took him under his wing, and now he's gone to three Olympics. It's just uh-huh. he's he's worked so hard. It's just fabulous. But they're all great stories. Every that's why we love the Paralympics. All right, enough about the Paralympics. Let's talk about uh, uh, the share market and shares before we get into your. 10 stocks, I thought we'd take a a look at a a stock of the day that I always choose. I thought Crown Resorts we might uh, have a look at today. Um, They reported this morning, $261 million full year statutory loss, no dividend for long suffering shareholders. The casino giant awaits the word from ongoing Royal Commissions into its behavior. COVID-19 forced it to shutter its operations. Uh, restrict operations in Melbourne and Perth for much of the year. Uh, The loss compares unfavorably to last year's near $80 million profit uh, before COVID hit. Revenue at the business has also tanked um, down to $1.5 billion. Um, No longer in discussions with Oak Tree. And, Nathan, you always talk about trying to find the ugliest stocks on the market who might be so ugly... They look attractive. That's why I chose this one, to see if you were finding it attractive at all. Uh, This is so ugly, it
1: makes me look like Tom Cruise. Uh, I mean, it's ugly. Um, You can think of every category that it can go wrong in, and they went, tick, we'll go below that. We'll get worse. And they have. Um, So, I mean, who cares about the result? Everyone knew these guys are going to be struggling. Uh, The macro is just weak. Management has had more problems than it can poke a stick at. Um it's, it's about the asset, it's about what it can be, uh, and it's about will someone else come and say, this is worth more than what it's you know being priced and take it out. I think the market knows that. Um, I think it's, you're right, I think it's so ugly, you've got to look at it. Um, if you're picking 10, 12 stocks with Outlook statement looking where they're headed, this is probably not in their top 10, 15 stocks, but it's one of those stocks where I think it's so ugly and the asset is good enough and it employs so many people that it's going to be there maybe not as crown maybe something else but at the end of the day it's going to be around and if anybody's going to buy them out there's a premium coming so i think it's not look it's ugly but it's an ugly buy
2: mm, okay mm. uh Gaurav? well
0: i'm kind of embarrassed to admit that i we actually own crown resorts in our portfolios and It's been, um, oh geez, it's been one heck of a ride. We actually bought this during the uh, March drawdown last year and and thought it was excellent decision making. And then all of this other stuff came out and it really tested resolve about the business. Um, The result was terrible, David. There's no real way about it, but I was stunned at making as much revenue as they are. I mean, everything is locked down and they're still generating one and a half billion dollars in revenue. It's worth breaking that down a little bit. Now, they're lucky that they have um, an excellent casino over in Perth, and that's been largely unaffected. And the experience from that casino shows that post-lockdowns, um, casino revenue, casino profit jumps uh, remarkably. So if we can get through this period, there should be a strong rebound for these assets coming up if the assets <laughs> have, have a license attached to them, and, and that's really the issue. Um it, generally, I like buying uh, businesses at sort of maximum—not maximum pessimism, but maximum uncertainty, uncertainty and uh, and um, uh, variability. That's what creates the opportunity. And and here you have a, a an extremely variable outcome. You know, if the regulator comes out and and everything's fine and it hands Crown its license back and Sydney eventually gets its license back, then this is probably a sixteen dollar stock. And on the other hand, if the licenses are lost, you've still got an interesting amount of property, which is probably worth six bucks, five to six dollars or so. So the downside's probably not a disaster. So, look, on balance, I would agree. I I think this is a buy too, um, but not a thumping buy. I think one could do better in the market than buying Crown today. But I think if you hold it over time, you probably do well. Look, the interesting thing was that. um, they actually sold, so that the in terms of cash flow, the business actually lost uh, 14, 15 million dollars um, in cash flow, but they sold 650 million dollars of apartments in Sydney in the Brungaroo complex, and it just yep. shows that what, what we think is a, uh, a casino business is actually quite a an asset-heavy property business at the same time. Um, there's a lot going on here. I, I, I'm going to go I'll agree with Nathan. I'll go by as well.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, and though those apartments sold out in a flash, didn't they? And they're, yes, uh, they're pre- pretty, pretty on a sc- per square meter basis.
0: Indeed. And yeah, uh, I the,
2: the, the, the property, property side of things is seriously undervalued.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, we all looked at that structure and we thought that, um, they were probably being a bit optimistic about the expected sales from property and they have just blown all those expectations out of the water. It's been remarkable.
2: Yeah, absolutely. At a time when uh, inner city apartments, particularly in Sydney, are under a bit of pressure as well. They got top dollar at that top end. All right, let's uh, get into the uh, the stocks our viewers have sent in. The first one, um, uh, Gaurav, is Atlas Arteria, uh, the big uh, toll road operator in France, uh, US and Germany. Sort of basically an alternative in the sector to Transurban, isn't it?
0: It is. In fact, I think this I think this was a spin-off from Transurban at some stage. I, I might be wrong about that, but I seem to recall common ownership of these assets at some stage. But, um, but as you say, they're all separated now, and this often gets neglected. Um, and I think Transurban sometimes just becomes the default choice. We haven't had a buy on Transurban for 12 years or so. And I think we've had a sell on it for most of that time <laughs> and, and obviously been, been wrong um, about it. But... This is the one that we've had a closer look at in, in recent years, and we've done that several times. The same issue keeps popping up, Koshi, and that's that Atlas Arteria owns this magnific- a stake in a, in a magnificent piece of road in France that connects um, Paris to Lyon, um, as well as a few other regional cities. And it's a really crucial road for um, light vehicle traffic. Um, it has excellent economics, um, com- absolutely indispensable and um, the contracts uh, operate um, have they have regulated uh, sort of price increases all attached to it. It's it's a beautiful um, it's a beautiful asset except that the lease runs out in I think it's 2034 in about 10 years' time or so the lease expires and I'm not sure what happens after that. Um, there's still. There's a few other assets in the business, but they're nowhere near as good as that French asset. And I don't know what happens with the renewal process, whether they're able to renew it, whether it just gets returned to the public, but but that's where you wanna spend a bit more time and try and investigate. Because if that had a longer, um, a longer lease period, this would be a thumping buy. Um, but without that longer lease period, I think it's mildly undervalued. I, I reckon it's probably worth $8 a share or so, which is a little bit less than the current value. But again, look, it's, I, th- I think there are probably better opportunities. And for okay. me, it's, it's just a hold for now.
2: Nathan?
1: Yeah, I think from memory, this used to be called Macquarie Infrastructure. Yeah, but it was the Macquarie one,
2: yep. Yeah, oh, right. that's right. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. So-
1: So back in the day, uh, it's one of the problems when you've been around too long. Um, I think it was about 15 years ago um, when I was at Citi, our lead analyst actually got blacklisted by MIG (laughs) because (laughs) he, he went negative on the stock and he was asking way too many questions and they blacklisted him. And it was quite unique at that time because brokers very rarely get blacklisted. And so when someone gets blacklisted by the corporate, it actually makes a lot of news and it did. So that's why it's, I've got it in the back of my head for all these years. Um, look, it's it's one of those ones where it's a great asset. It's priced for that. Um, it's going to struggle in a rising uh, interest rate environment. But then again, you know what we heard from U.S. Fed, that's still years away. Uh, and the market is pricing it for what it is. And the numbers have improved, predominantly opening up, especially in France and, and Europe. The us numbers have been recovering as well but i don't think that's going to hold up i mean the numbers that we're seeing out of us uh, shows us the economic activity has been fading and that's been seen through transport numbers that's been seen through restaurant numbers so we're going to see with delta numbers will slow down and in europe it will slow down as well so these things will mm-hmm. struggle in the shorter term uh, the longer term view is it just comes down to your view on interest rates these are good assets um again, it's not like these are high growth stocks, they're defensive stocks. Um, if you think the market's going to struggle, they give you good um, defensive earnings. But I think the macro is a bit uncertain about there is a time frame when interest rates will start to rise and inflation is high. And when central banks, you know, we've already seen South Korea move, New Zealand's gonna move soon. So the pressure will build gradually. So the markets will start to price these down because of rising interest rates environment. So I think you have to be careful on a long-term play. So this is why I'm not interested in these assets at this point in the cycle. Um, so, yeah, it's not a buy for me, but if you've held it and you've had the run up and you're in a defensive portfolio concept and it's on a balanced portfolio, I think it looks okay. It'll hold up, mm. but it just doesn't give me the upside from where we are to buy it. I think the the average target price is probably mid sixes and we're probably just above that. So you're not buying a lot of, um, I suppose, upside of the yield. So it doesn't excite me that much at this okay. point.
2: Right, mate, then David wants a view on ARB, the uh, uh, car accessory. Basically, if you, if you want to pimp uh, your four-wheel drive, you go to ARB for everything from a bull bar to your fridge in the back and everything in between. David says, uh, I'm a long-term holder, plan holding a lot longer, uh, low deck, great management team, brand aware- awareness, good economic moat um under the current climate so much money is being poured into uh, local leisure and touring due to no overseas travel uh i can't see that changing this is according to david uh would love the expert's opinion on arb at uh, the current price and the outlook Nathan. what do you think it's and they turned in a a cracking financial year result didn't
1: they yeah when you start uh you know talking about a stock with pimping in it You've got to be looking at a positive outlook. Uh, yep. look, it's, it's it's great management. It's in the great part of the economy. It's playing the opening up cycle with the uh, lockdowns and people are not going to go overseas for a while. It just has everything working for it. And the good management has delivered in, in that outlook. Uh, stock's not cheap. Um, everyone knows about it. It's, you know, car issues are going to play out. Um, we, You know, the market is it's interesting. The market is looking for the opening up thematics in the economy. So this is one, but this has been benefiting from that cycle way before. So it's price for that. Look, I just can't get myself to buy it at these multiples for what it is, uh, because everyone knows the cycle. You want to buy a cycle when it's starting off, when people are beginning to... Look at it, not when it's been running for a couple of years now that I mean, since the pandemic, this has been one of the big turnaround stories in the, anything with the car, automotive, the matter. So these guys have done well. Numbers are solid. The result was just, you know, as good as you expect. They'll grind up. Um, it's doing well, but you're pricing in a fair bit. So for me, it's not a buy. If you've been there, I'd be holding the good management. I'd probably look to take some profit. So maybe, you know, you sell 30% and then you hold the rest. Because I think it's expensive when the market has a pullback. These are the kind of crowded trades where people will sell out of. So you'll get another buy. Hmm. But look, it's really well managed. It's hard to find anything wrong with it.
2: Yeah, look at that five-year chart. Flaming heck. That'd be good to be in a stock like that. Um, uh, Gaurav, what do you think? And it's basically founder-led As uh, the family uh, have a big ch- chunk of the business and, and run it pretty closely too.
0: It's um, there's nothing wrong with the business. It's a wonderful business. I I think the key question about this is not about whether to buy, hold or sell, but really it's a question about what kind of investor you are, because I I think in the short term that this is actually overvalued So 37 times earnings. Everything is going right for the business now. And um, it's hard not to escape the conclusion that it's probably over earning and the, the P.E.R., has probably gotten away a little bit. but And if you're the kind of investor who just wants to hold the cheapest securities at any point in time and always wants to get the highest return possible, then you'd probably sell this and cycle into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're the kind of investor who, it sounds like the caller is this kind of person who wants to just hold a portfolio of really high quality stocks for a really long period of time, you wouldn't sell something like this. This is an outstanding business with um, a, still a very strong rollout opportunity ahead of it. Fantastic owner managers, a perfect balance sheet. You can sit here and hold this for another fifteen years, and you will do wonderfully well. Um, so, look, put yourself in one of those categories. For me, myself, I would probably sell this and buy something else. But um, over time, that's been the wrong yeah. decision, and it may well be the wrong decision do, again. Do so, think about of, your own circumstances.
2: A bit of the best of both worlds, like made was saying. You know, sell off the top a bit, sort of. 10, 20% banks and profits you know, and be happy to 30, be in there.
1: Yeah, 30%. And then, you know, if it comes back, you buy back into it. Um, and I think it will. And I think Graves' right. I think it will come back. It's way too expensive. I mean, it's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I think it comes back and mm. then you put the 30%
0: right back in. Yep. Mm. Yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with that strategy either. But, but I think um, the kind of person who would do that is more likely to sell the whole thing rather than... Right. Just the 30% the kind of person who doesn't want to sell it is, is never going to sell yep. it. So it, I think it, you've put yourself in one of those categories and the decision is pretty clear.
2: Uh, Jason sure. wants a view on Camplify only recently listed in June. The platform that sort of similar sector to ARB, I suppose. Uh, really cool. Anyone can uh, can when they're not using their, their caravan or camper van can put it on Camplify to uh, to rent out to others.
1: Yeah, look, I didn't know about this stock. It's, it's, I mean, this is one of the best thing about being on the show. You find out about stocks that you've never heard of. And this, uh, you look, I ran through a bit, had a read through, looked at the numbers. Look, it's it's recently listed, global, in um, you know, a capital light model, um, benefiting from the same thematic of opening up. Um, and Europe is definitely opening up. So those things are starting to run. The numbers look good. Uh, they've got plenty of cash, so they're not going to have to raise money to that's always a worry when it comes to tech stocks um, look it looks good it all adds up and it's a micro cap that's that's your risk i mean early stage stories are always going to be micro caps uh but it's tiny enough that you know it's, it looks like it's had a good run but it's a it's a, it's still very small um so there's a long way to go if they can get it right and you know i'll followed i'll follow things like um, you know icai asia uh iproperty you know, later in the cycle, then you looked at, you know, early days when you look at these guys like car sales and real estate, it's tough in the early days, you've got to run through a bit. But this looks interesting. I think they're doing something unique. And, you know, in a world of pandemic, that's probably going to hang around for years, people are going to look at these kind of holidays, and you've got a demographic challenge, that's going to favor uh, these kind of thematics as well. So look, I think it's okay. I think it looks good. Um, It's one of those ones where I went, Look, I want to do a bit more research, but from what I
2: have seen, I'd be a buyer. What Mm. do you think of Camplify?
0: Yeah, I'm glad someone brought this up. So actually, I actually own Camplify. I own a small, a very small holding. It's far too small for us to cover at Intelligent Investor. And it's too small for our um, our funds to, to own. But this is a interesting little business. Uh, Nathan's probably gone through it already. Um, The best way to describe it is the, it's an Airbnb for caravans. So it's a marketplace where people put their caravans up and they um, they can, uh, people can um, lease them out um, directly with the owner through the marketplace. So they take a cut of the transactions just the same way as Airbnb does. Um, It's got it has competition it's not in the same monopolistic position as airbnb is and this is a very small business and it's quite an early early stage there are a couple of things to worry about for starters one is that i think they've ipo too soon i think they've taken advantage of strong conditions and ipo when the business probably isn't ready for it and that, it concerns me a little bit that they weren't able to secure private capital um, that they felt they had to go to the market and raise money, when I think this is a business that probably should be private and um, attract private capital at this stage of its development. Right. Uh, the other concern is, is that um, they're in three or four different markets and trying to grow aggressively at the, you know, in all these markets, which I think it can be done. It's a good strategy if it works, but it's a risky strategy, and uh, it requires quite a bit of capital. So I, I'd, I'd say you, there's still a fair bit of capital raises to come for the company. Um, nowhere near close to making money. It's still really a concept, but it's a wonderful concept. It's a idea that solves a, a legitimate problem and it is getting a lot of attention and a lot of market share in its own category. I, I think once lockdowns have eased a little bit, and you saw this in the UK business, um, caravans uh, bounce back extremely fast. They're attracting a lot of um, users on the platform, and I think that's a really good start. So for me, this is a speculative buy, but this is this could easily fail and go to zero. Um, but if it works, I think this is a potential potential 10 bagger. You know, this okay. is one of your stocks to change your life kind of thing. This is a high risk, high reward option. A small part of your portfolio spec buy.
2: OK, um, Nathan uh hadn't heard of it, looked at the numbers and um, had it as a buy, speculative buy as well. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you want to change your mind now? No. Um, I'm thinking. Right. that. <laughs> Nathan Ali wants a, a view on bigger Cheese. Um, um, asking a reassessment after the recent results from the experts would be appreciated. Recent results, uh, what, uh, revenue up 39%, uh, EBITDA up 38%, um, took over uh lions dairy and drinks business which pump the revenue up
1: yeah look i, I like the food thematic uh we're in a reflation cycle um so th- there is the advantage um i guess you've got to look at how the input costs and all that is playing out and the result wasn't too bad uh they have made decent acquisitions <laughs> um so there's a few things to bed down and that's being going through the result Look, I, I actually don't mind it. It's it, it was a bit expensive. There was too much expectations built in, but it's had a decent pullback now, uh, and you've had the results. So it's, you know, I guess you've got the risk taken out of it. So it was expensive. It's not as expensive now, and you've had the results, so you're not going into an uncertain period. Um, and I like the fact that they, they're doing, you know, a number of areas where they've got the branding. And, you know, if anything we've learned from A2 Milk is... When it's working, you want to be there with the guy with the margin, and that's the guy with the brand. And Biga is doing that. So in that context, I like what they're doing. Um, and you know, if they can get all the acquisitions better down well and executing, I think this can do a decent run up. So I don't mind it. I actually think it, it adds up well, and you know, the thematics that we like, it kind of fits into that. So I'm a buyer here. Okay. After all
2: right. I
0: feel much better now because we're back to disagreeing. So that's, uh, that's, this is our, our sweet spot. <laughs> um, okay. In Nathan's defense, this is actually a much improved business. When this first listed, um, oh, a long time ago now, I think we're, we're close to eight years or so. Um, but when it first listed, it was a awful business. It was a processing business that didn't even have its own brand. And, uh, a lot of its, um, suppliers or, or customers, sorry, actually, um, actually took all the the value from the in the profit chain Uh, and and this was a a low margin low cap return on capital poor quality business now through i would say pretty astute management they've actually taken control of a lot of brands um, and it's a better quality business but it's not quite a good quality business the brands that they own uh, are decent and they have uh, fair market shares they're particularly strong in things like yogurt and cheese and we all know about the peanut butter and vegemite um, and that's good. I mean, this is a much better business than it was, but when you stop comparing it to what it used to be and start comparing it um, to other businesses and, and just on a, on a standalone basis, this is probably still a bit below average. The returns on capital haven't really improved all that much. They're probably a bit below average. It could just be the numbers cycling through, you know, the, the, it's changed a fair bit. So perhaps it needs more time to settle down. Um, but I don't really see the impetus to start buying it now. Um, I don't think it's ever been easier to start a new supermarket brand than it has, hasn't, than it is now. And you can just see all these new brands appearing overseas, the old Unilevers and Procter and Gamble's are getting um, disrupted and have lost heaps, billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars worth of value because of these new startups and new channels um, available for marketing. So it's, it's, it's a super competitive industry and the supermarkets don't let their suppliers make a lot of money. So it's better than it was, but it's still not very good. Um, okay. At best, this is a hold. For me, I'd probably sell.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, Craig wants to view uh, Gorevon Australian Vintage. The uh, the wine company was the old McGuigan Wines. McGuigan is still part of it, but they have Nepenthe, Brosser Valley Vineyards, a whole bunch of other uh, brands, um, one of the biggest wine producers um, in South Australia and one of the, the few wine producers that um, really wasn't selling much to China <laughs> during the boom times. Their, their big markets were the UK and the US. Um, what do you think of Australian Vintage?
0: Yeah, isn't that funny? The Australian Vintage traded on a huge discount to um to pen, not Penfolds, to treasury, uh, treasury. <laughs> to Treasury yep. wine estates. yeah because of the uh, the lack of China exposure and now that's the very thing that's keeping it um, much better I think than, than treasury so that's interesting um, look with all these agricultural type businesses you've got to sort of forget about the the printed profit and loss and um, there's, there's an accounting standard you need to get familiar with that deals with biological assets and I think we've covered this when we've looked at um, the salmon producers. Yep, but nice. um, the the P and L actually um, uh, de- the uh, increase or decrease in the biological asset in this in this case um, the value of the uh, sort of the, the grape trees the the, <laughs> the grapes um, and in the case of salmon the value of the fish that actually goes through the P and L every year, and so you've you've got to if, if you're looking at this simply because it's got a low PE and a high yield, you may be disappointed because um, it's not always reflective of eco- of, of economic reality. Um, I'd go straight to the cash flow, and um, happily, when you look at the cash flow statement, it's actually pretty good here. Um, They generate far more cash than I thought they would, and and I think part of that is actually, this is an unusually innovative business um, for a really boring and old industry. Um, And I like that they've got so many ideas brewing, they're trying lots of different things, they're not getting all that much growth to be fair, but the fact that they're trying a lot of things shows that management has some ideas and they're not afraid about experimenting. And I think that's really important in an industry like this. The economics are still horrible. We're talking about sort of ROA return on assets between two and 4%. It's very difficult to uh, get that share price up and and make good returns as a, as a business owner when you're dealing with those sort of economic returns. You have to buy this well below um, asset backing and it is trading well below asset backing but it's also got big leaks of debt and lease liabilities look this is a well-managed business it's not terrible um it it is cheap but it deserves to be it uh, again i don't i wouldn't put this in my top 15 or 20 ideas but if you own it you own it for a particular reason and um you know, I, I think it's possible to come up with a pretty good investment case for this business. So I'll, I'll keep it as a hold, but it's yep. not a wonderful business.
2: Uh, Nathan, the other thing, the, um, uh, they brought in a new chief executive two years ago from an international dairy group that's, who's sort of shaken up their marketing a bit. But um, it's also the value of their stock, apparently, is a huge determinant of the company as well.
1: Yeah, look, I've been looking at this stock for a very long time. And for the same reason, probably everyone else has in saying that, you know, Treasury Wine's up there. This guy's down here. um, You know, Treasury Wine's got China. Why can't these guys go into China? And then bang, bang. And guess what? That's been the, uh, you know, it's a 10 years they've basically traded in a uh, range trading and they've just broke out and they've just been going. And the market gets excited, looks for the options and plays into it. I do, I mean, I'm not happy about agreeing with uh, Gaurav, but in reality, I think it's hard to get excited here when things have run this hard for a tough sector. This is one of those ones where, you know, wine is a hard industry to do. Uh, these guys look good management. That's one of the reasons why a lot of people told me about this. I mean, I've been looking at it for, I think, about seven, eight years, and it just goes sideways and sideways. You get a bit of run, you get a bit of a pullback, that's pretty much it, nothing exciting. And then it's gone bonkers now. It's had a huge run. I mean, it's nearly doubled, um, you know, if you look at pre-pandemic. And you're looking at something that's relatively well-priced. It looks cheap on the numbers simply, as Grove said, it's it's in the accounting. But it's it's a bit like mining stocks um, in some of these things. You've got to be careful. When it looks really cheap, that means there's a fair amount priced in. You want to buy these things when it looks really expensive and it looks ugly on the chart. That's when people don't want to be there. That's your opportunity to buy in. Um, this one look good management they're doing well again uh, it's i think it's priced too much um, so i would look at it uh, a bit like what we were talking about before with ARB. you know you take 30 40 off um, and then you ride the rest because i don't think the management is going to shoot themselves in the foot i think they'll do relatively stable operations so i think it should be okay uh, but Again, if you're picking 10, 15 stocks, this is not going to be in that list. Yep. But look, I've been yep. looking at it for a long time and they've done a hell of a lot better in the last couple of years than even I expected.
2: Okay. All right. Let's uh, recap the first five uh, stocks of the call so far, uh, including our stock of the day. Crown, which is already in the, uh, the call's portfolio. Yes, from both Gorab and Nathan um, as a potential turnaround. Atlas, uh, a hold. Um, ARB, if you're in it, you've done wonderfully well. Depends on what sort of investor you are. Um, it's really highly priced at, at the moment value. Maybe look at taking some profits on the, on the top and then just riding the rest of the holding out. Uh, Camplify, speculative buy from uh, both Gaurav and Mathan. Uh, bigger cheesy, yes from Mathan and no from uh, Gorav, And Australian Vintage, a hold from both. Um, here on the, uh, the call, we've been tracking our own uh, fantasy portfolio since uh, 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner Nabtrade. Any stocks that get two, two thumbs up from the panel goes into the portfolio. If it comes up again like Crown did, uh, it stays in there. They get two thumbs up or a, uh, or a hold. If we look at uh, how we've been doing in the fantasy portfolio for the week up two and a quarter percent, for the month about two and a half. And since the 1st of July um, last month, up 4%. And uh, since the 1st of July 2020, um, it uh, the portfolio is up just over 40%. Taking a look at some of the stocks recently added, uh, ReadyTech Holdings, Unity, Beacon Lighting, Uh, Macquarie Telecom, MSL Solutions, some of the stocks removed, Appen Flight Centre and the uh, uh, Vanguard uh, Value Equity, uh, Active ETF and Western Airs. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and uh, time's running out. If you want to enter our subscription competition, if you know someone who would love what we do here at AusBiz. Now's the time to let them know for each friend you uh, get to join AusBiz. Uh, you both get an entry into our prize pool draw. Six prizes worth about 10 grand, including a $5,000 self-wealth trading account uh, to enter. Use the referral code that you get in the Close of Business newsletter to share with your uh, with your networks. If you haven't subscribed yet go to osbiz.co forward slash join and entries close on the 5th of september all right let's get into the uh second half of the uh of the call and daniel wants a view gorab on uh, adriatic metals daniel says uh he'd love your opinion as an ex-mining analyst um, a silver uh, dominant polymetallic uh, deposit in uh, bosnia A good project, CapEx spend of only $160 million. According to Daniel, valuation of about a billion dollars. Outstanding economics um, are priced at a major discount to the net present value. So uh, Daniel's obviously a fan. Gaurav, are you? So i
0: had never heard of Adriatic before this, but... um... When I went on first inspection, I thought, right, mining in Bosnia, zero revenue. I think I had a $500 million market cap um, and a management that I didn't know. And I thought, "Mm, this is not looking good. But I must say, looking closer at the project, I have been really impressed. I'm surprised I've never heard of this business because they have a ripper of a project. so uh, yep, the call is right. It's a silver lead um, zinc project. Um, there's a few other bits and pieces in there, but um, the, they've actually done a lot of work on this. It looks like over a, a significant period of time because they're quite close to production. Um, they have the flow chart. The flow chart looks uh, quite good. It's easy to understand. It's a simple um, it's a simple production process. Uh, extremely low cost. I was quite stunned by the. Um, Uh, by the low, uh, by the very good economics here. Um, And that probably has to do with just the simplicity. Um, And and I like that they've tried to keep it simple. Sometimes with these polymetallic deposits, there's a temptation to sort of chase down every last bit of metal in the ore and to maximise the value of um, of every ton. And I don't think that's not really the way to make a lot of money from these projects. You really want to keep the simplicity... make it keep it nice and simple get scale up and going and let the economics come from scale not really the economics coming from the all value itself Um, and it looks like they're 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 pursuing that approach here um there's a few things to be done from now so for for now they need to um, they still need to raise some capital so i've got capital Costs about uh, closer to $200 million than the 160. Um, but regardless, that's that should be pretty doable. They've got to find an offtake partner for their concentrate, as they're selling the concentrate and not a metal. Again, it's not always easy to do, but for a project of this quality, that should be no problem. Um, but the big one really is that they're mining in Bosnia, not known for its um, mining uh, prowess really. So they've got to find a workforce, they've got to um, get um, environmental approval. It's a very significant mine for Bosnia. So the fact that they've gotten this far, it suggests that they should get those regulatory filings comfortably, but you never know. And I'd say I'd say that's probably why it's trading at a discount. There's the political risk, and then they've got to raise money. So they may do that via an equity raise, and the market's probably anticipating that. They might, may do that with bank debt. Um, but I think that's why. I don't think it's stunningly cheap. Um, you know, the MPV on a mining project, I've never seen one that's that looks bad. All MPVs look wonderful. <laughs> it's the job of the mining executives to make the MPV look wonderful, and it's not hard to do. Right. But look, to, I, I still think this is a really interesting project. I'm gonna put a spec buy on it again, um, with the proviso that, look, I haven't taken a, a super deep dive into this. I'd only heard about it a day ago, um, but I'm interested enough and i put a, a spec buy on it.
2: Okay, Nathan?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I like the, word, the definition of what an NPV comes out of most of these re- resource stocks. Graf's right. I've never seen an NPV that's going to make it look expensive. Uh, look, it's, you get an NPV because it's, it's not net present value, it's projected value for corporate. So it's always going to be a high value. So it always looks cheap. Uh, that shouldn't be where it is. Just I'm always scared of any mining project in Europe Around that region, it's you know historically, I always found these things always take longer than what you think, and you know we've you know in my former shop we used to cover a number of stocks that were had assets in Europe, and it just goes drags on and on and on, and everyone gets bored and everyone leaves, and the share price goes to nothing, and then one day until you turn around and look, it's run three times because suddenly they've got things done, we're moving again, but it can take a very long time. So and the other thing that you know, historically I always worry about is when they're going into that execution part, when they're building things, getting it up and running. As Guru put, it's an area where they don't have a history of doing that. Labor force, regulatory side, those are tricky things to do at the best of times. In in an area where these things don't really have a huge history, that's gonna get tougher. And every mining project, almost every mining project that I've looked at, they always have cost blowouts and they'll need more money than you think. So that's the tough thing. So we always look at mining projects when they're, st- you know, when they're initially punching holes. You want to be there for the excitement. And that's when you get the steroid run, uh, and then reality sinks in. They, you know, burn cash, build it. They get it wrong, rebuild it, and then they get into production. So when they get to the actual production cycle, you want to come back. They've got interesting, you know, metals. I think the exposure is good. They've, it looks quite well managed. Um, again, I only looked at it short term, but. That's the caveat that I put. So you've had a good run. Um, I'd probably say if you've been through the cycle, just take a bit of money off the table, cover your, ba- you know, your initial outlay, and then you're getting a free ride. And I'll be there for the free ride because if it goes good, it could have a decent run out. But if it has problems, then you know you covered your base. You're not going to get killed. So you've got to manage your risk in these things. And history tells me this is the danger side of the cycle where. Execution can get into trouble, so just be careful.
2: Okay, all right. Paul wants to be and amazing can... on Brain Chip. Um, it's basically it has a, a product called Akita, does it? They're trying to do a computer chip that has AI artificial intelligence in it, basically.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've been looking at Brain Chip for a long time, <laughs> and, and again, another stock where I think it's a, quite a unique stock. It's, it's like what uh, Graeme was saying before. It's one of those life-changing potential. If they get it right, this is a going 10 bagger, right? That's, this is the kind of opportunity that you're playing. Um, it's, it had a bit of a run, uh, I think, last year or the year before when Elon, I think it was last year, Elon Musk talked about brain chip and he was talking about something that they were putting a neural chip in pigs. And the fact that he used the word brain chip and the stock just had a, a good run up and then people realized <laughs> it's a completely different thing. And it's amazing how word uh, connection makes a difference. Now, these guys are in an interesting area, um, but look, it just takes a long time. It, you just It's really hard to get a timing on when you're doing this kind of unique technology and when it works. And I have always found, I find these unique stocks, then I lose interest because they're not doing anything for years. And then one day it just goes bang and it's gone four or five times and then it's too late. So this is one of my specky ones where I think you want to put a bit of money. You're not putting a full blot. Uh, so if you're putting, say, hundred bucks into stocks, I'd probably put 20 bucks in five of these and expect to lose in two or three, all of it. Uh, and this is one of those. They will be raising money. They will be doing a lot of work. it looks look exciting. There'll be always these marketing pitches. But till they get it right, this thing will just go sideways. So... But it's got that blue sky play. I mean, if you think about future AI technology, look, you've got to go there. Everyone's at it. And whoever gets a bite into it will have a huge run. So okay. I think you pick four or five of these and have a punt, and this is a punt stock. I'm, I'm
0: happy to punt on this.
2: Okay. All right.
0: Uh, just a quick note on Adriatica if I may, actually. Um, as I was reading that, I just thought... Um, um, Adriatic would make a wonderful takeover for South32, which we own South32 stock. We've That's owned true. the stock for a while. Um, and they own two deposits that are quite similar, with similar sort of um, mining techniques and similar metals to um, Adriatic's um, flagship project. And I might, uh, yeah, we might drop uh, South32 <laughs> a line and, and, <laughs> and let them know that Adriatic is around. <laughs>
2: and and so be, be, be a nice part bit. of the M&A phase. Yep. Beauty.
0: <laughs> yes, that as well. <laughs> look on on, on brainship um look uh, I don't think our opinion the opinion of me and uh and if I may Nathan um Nathan as well we do this all day um we invest all day and the reason we um we do it as a profession it's, it's not like to it's not like being a plumber or an um or a a pilot where you have a very specific skill set that you do years of training and no one else can really do it unless they've gone through the same thing anyone can invest the reason why professionals um sometimes do it better and i say sometimes they don't always but sometimes do it better is because we have a lot of experience we learn things like pattern recognition we learn a little bit about financial analysis A little bit about um, experience tells you what's going to work, what's not going to work. None of those strengths are going to help you in making a decision about brain chip. In fact, pattern recognition, um, financial analysis, and experience, they're all probably (laughs) going to lead you in the wrong direction. (laughs) So I would say I don't understand why you're investing in this myself. Um, Like, I, I have no problem in speculation, I quite like speculation we've had two i think very good speculative ideas in the show in Camplify and Edric Medals for me brain chip brain chip is not speculation it's it's stupidity um and i and you can still make money from being from making dumb decisions um but just realize that that's what you're doing um yeah. you know you you're, you're just sort of blindly throwing up there's no intelligent speculation here i don't think you're paying $870 billion for a, a business with no real product, no revenue, founders selling plenty of stock. Um, some of the competition have hundreds of billions of dollars of resources at their disposal. Yep. Um, and uh, this has become a mean stock. I mean, I think your odds of losing money here are sort of 90% plus. Um, so, but, but as I said, the, the the way we look at stocks is not going to help you make a decision on this. So if you yeah. own it, you own it for whatever reasons. Just, just be honest with yourself about why you own it. And um, and if you make a lot of money on it, don't look for me or Nathan.
2: Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Kylie wants a view um, Gorev on QBE insurance. Oh, uh, Kylie no. says, no. we've had it in our family trust for a number of years, but I really hate insurance companies. What do you and the team uh, think of it? Uh, Kylie, we'll get to Nathan second because he is... Uh, <laughs> A big fan of QBE, again, because it was so ugly uh, a couple of months ago. But, Gorab, what do you think of QBE at the moment?
0: Oh, Kylie, you're torturing me. This is the stock I hate <laughs> talking about most of the <laughs> I have so much uh, tortured baggage with QBE. It's, it's been one of our worst calls in the last 15 years or so. We've, every, everything we've said about QBE has basically turned out wrong. Um, where we've kind of um, thrown our hands up and said, This is a business that's extremely difficult to understand. Uh, And uh, emotionally, I think, um, psychologically, I'm just a wreck (laughs) over (laughs) it. So I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to say avoid and look at something else. Um, For the more rational, um, Nathan's been on the money here, actually. I I think he's got a much better record on the insurance sector. So listen to what he says. Um, But understand that that insurance and QBE specifically, uh, because it has a high – because of the insurance insurance um, markets that it's into, and it's also got a, a large reinsurance uh, business as well, this is a black box. You, you, there's no way of really knowing uh, what the numbers are going to look like, or what's even happening in the business. Um, for years and years, um, it could be generating wonderful profits um, because the the profits on the insurance business depends on the on the business you write today. And the costs and the risks and the danger is all kicked down the can. And you don't know about all those things until years after the fact. So you can wake up one morning and literally find yourself down 50% in a stock in a big blue chip blue chip stock like this. And it's just, it's not the kind of investment I would make. So okay. avoid for me, but listen to Nathan.
2: All right. Nathan, <laughs> a wise one. What do you say about about QBE? Uh,
1: I just love the emotional baggage that Greg covers. It's like... <laughs> It's like going through you know. He comes down, lies down on the couch, and he goes through his life story. Oh my god, this thing (laughs) is destroyed! And and the great thing is, the viewers keep digging it up and bringing back the dead body every couple of weeks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he's gonna go, he's gonna have a good long shower and to calm himself after the show. We, we've been on the thematic of the insurance stock on a number of uh, dynamics, one being uh, financials were overvalued, especially the banks uh, and uh, asset managers as well. So we we looked at it and said, well, fund managers have to keep certain amount of funds in financials. And so insurance became the ugly duckling. And then you've got the rising premium cycle and then you've got the yields recovering cycle. All of that kind of played into it. So. Yes, QB is one of those ones where you buy and, you know, I always say there are certain stocks that you know you're going to wake up every six months and find a dead body. QBE is one of those. Um, It used to be back in the day, this is pre-GFC, this used to come out with upgrade after upgrade. It was managed so well, I'll put it more bluntly. The numbers were massaged so well, you got upgrades every time. (laughs) It was a great stock. It was one of those they brought in the, you know, This is what uh, we were looking at. It was one of those classic case studies. They did so well till it all fell, uh, went backwards and completely collapsed. And since then, it's been one of those up and down choppy stocks. And I can see why Grab hates it. It's actually funny, but I always tell him, and this probably blows his mind every time, that when this thing gets to single digit, you buy it. Because on the valuations, that's where the support is. And it's funny how statistically, if you buy it with a nine in front of it or eight in front of it, You always get a run to above 10 11 around 12 and we've done that Uh, we kind of broke out around may june from memory and it's had this run it's gone to 12 13. Uh, can it go higher i think the thematic still plays it's it's had a couple of upgrades so it's still on an upgrade cycle so again in an upgrade cycle you don't sell out until they get it wrong uh, i'm going to be in the sector this is not high quality stock let's let's be clear about that but know everything has a price it's not that expensive but look it can go wrong yes Um, and so that's why you've got to be careful you are not coming in early in the cycle for this one we've had a bit of a run so you're coming a bit late but if you've been there as a um, you know as a viewer has uh claims to be so if they've been there i'd say look sit right it till they get it wrong Um, you know it's it's one of those thematics that are turned around the sector is running everything in the sector is doing better. The underlying thematics and premiums and yields are looking good. So, right.
2: Okay. All right. Hold on there. Uh, Michael um, made them want to view on FedEx resources. Uh, Michael says, uh, on the 1st of February this year, you both reviewed it. Um, uh, Michael's been taking notes. Uh, the company had just begun their one and only project, Iron Ridge. We'll be interested in your thoughts now, seven months later, given the company is in steady state production and have 45% of their production hedged from October to September 22. Looks a no-brainer buy for me at these levels. Nathan, don't want to influence your, your view on it, but Michael's loving yeah. it. Yeah, look, it's it's
1: look. you're playing the iron automatic and the small caps. Look, there are some beautiful small cap iron ore stocks. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Champion Iron in Canada. I think that looks like a great project. Mount Gibson's had a few problems. Grange looks like a pretty good project. And Phoenix looks okay. I think they're looking pretty solid. It just comes down to what's your view on iron ore. And I thought, you know, when it ran up to 260, that was pretty insane. Um, everyone knew that was too far, but you know, everyone enjoyed the run, uh, including our budget. Uh, now it's come, you know, it's literally hard. Uh, to 130 140 it's bounced back to 150 odd. Um, look it looks okay, but when you fall from 260 to 150 everyone's worried. no one wants to buy. I think you've got to look at where the market is, what the market's worried about. There's a lot of people calling iron ore down to somewhere probably around the 100. I know Gro's probably even more bearish than that, but it probably has more downside risk. We're in a couple of months where uh, you've got weakness in commodity prices yep. and on top of that, Over the weekend, the Chinese have come out and said uh, iron ore is one of their key commodities that they need to massage down. Uh, So in that context, there is risk to it. So that's why the market's not jumping all over it. But I think the small caps are interesting. I think this is one of those ones, uh, look, I'm waiting for iron ore to stabilize and then recover into the back end of the cycle. So I'm literally looking for somewhere around... So
2: What would you do? Would you get into this now?
1: I'm not getting into
2: it right okay. now, but I think in a couple right. of months I'll so be looking move, at all the iron ore small caps. Got to move pretty quick. Uh, one o'clock starts project Gaurav, what do you think of uh, Fenix?
0: Yeah, iron ore is a is a game for big boys. Um, I love the management here. I think they've done a wonderful, opportunistic little little job here. They've created a lot of value for shareholders, but I think the time is right to move on. I, I, I hear what you're saying about the hedging. That will deliver good cash flow. I think these are sensible capital allocators. They'll hand it back. I don't think you'll lose money on this, really. But um, I I don't think you'll make a lot either, unless the iron ore price stays high. The the cost of production here is over $90 a tonne. And I think iron ore is going a lot lower than that. So um, I'd I'd be selling.
2: Uh, Just quickly, our last stock. We're running out of time. Bronte wants a view on the hearts and minds. Um, Sort of basically a listed investment company, which is... Run pro bono or the investment management by a lot of fund managers around, and um, um, a lot of the um, the management fees are donated to charity. Gaurav?
0: Yes, um, wonderful idea. Um, there's a big investment conference called SOWN every year, and these, uh, this ETF sort of takes the best ideas from that conference and puts it yeah. into a little portfolio for you. So it's a, it's a great portfolio. Uh, it looks expensive, but if you're a long-term investor, I think you'll do fine from this. So it. Yep.
2: Nathan?
1: Yeah, if you're a long-term player, I think you can put uh, this as one of your options and it'll do relatively well. But you've got to think, in the last twelve months, it's pretty much gone sideways. So for me, I'm looking at it going, if you're picking 10 to 15 stocks, this is not in there. But long-term players, this is one of those.
2: Okay. All right, Grove Sody from Intelligent Investor. Always great to catch up. Mate, Nathan Somersandara from Deep Data. Great to see you too. Have a good week, guys. Uh, let's just Thanks, recap the final five stocks. Um, uh, Adriatic, a speculative buy from uh, from Gorev. Nathan, a hold, maybe uh, take some profits on it. Uh, Brain Chip is a punt from uh, Nathan. Gorev wouldn't be in it. QBE, a hold from Nathan, a no from Gorev. FedEx Resources, uh, a no from both. And Hearts and Minds a long if you're a long time long-term investor uh, may be worth looking at um that's our show for today if you'd like us to look at any stocks put them in an email the call at today or tweet us using the at osbiz tv handle uh see all the stocks in the calls portfolio osbiz.co forward slash portfolio i will see you tomorrow midday for another look at the call